Uh, we're going to be talking about how fast our children grow up, and you'll see why in a minute. Uh, we're going to look at Mary and Joseph, who lost their parents of the year status when they lost their son for three days before they finally found him in the temple of Jerusalem. And we're going to finish up with this 12-year-old Jesus growing in human and divine favor as he grows in wisdom and in years, all which are preparing him to inherit his father's business. Let's pray. God, as you revealed yourself in the birth of Christ, we ask that you would speak to us this day through your word and through your spirit. May your word form deep roots in our hearts that cause us to know you more fully and then encourage us to love you and this world more. Amen. 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 Super simple stuff. Here we go. Everyone knows the answer to this. We all say children grow up so fast. Fast. Like this has been happening for parents, right? For like, for my two. Um, this has been happening forever. Multiple times this Advent and Christmas season, people that had not seen them for a long time all said the exact same couple of sentences. I can't believe they're in college. You know? It's like, well, neither can we, really. <laughs> um, and they would say, like, I can't believe how big they've gotten. Or, last time I saw them, they were this big. You know, um, that happened multiple times. And so, it's true, kids grow up fast. The question is whether parents are ready for it or not. That's a totally different question. And I think that actually gets at what we're talking about today. Jesus, too, grew up fast. In the five days since Christmas, Jesus is now aged 12 years. In five years. <laughs> that is fast. That's really fast. And it, I was curious when I read this story, I wondered if Mary and Joseph would have just preferred Jesus to have remained that tiny little baby in a manger. I wonder, too, if we would have, will have, or do have any trouble with the fact that Jesus is growing up so fast. What we're going to see today is that, like it or not, Jesus has left the manger. We, all, we know zero to 30. Jesus' life we know almost next to nothing. The Gospels only record one story about Jesus during this period of time. And it's in this story that Mary and Joseph lose the most valuable thing in the world to them, their own son, for three days. So let's listen in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended, they started to return the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, oh, listen to this. Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. Exactly how you would have said it, right? <laughs> Did you not know that I must be, he says first, why were you searching for me? That's the great response. 
Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jews were originally commanded to make three pilgrimages to Jerusalem in a year, but because of the great distances that people were having to travel uh, to get there, it kind of became acceptable by this time in the first century uh, that people would make this one journey to celebrate the Passover. The Jewish Mishnah tells us that at age 12, a Jewish boy's religious instruction would intensify significantly as manhood is uh, at 13, right? And it's like, <laughs> this is just because of me, and the way my mind works, I'm like, evidently Jewish boys mature a lot faster than the rest of us. <laughs> Manhood begins around 50 for me, and I'm almost there. Um, uh, at 12, Jesus is now old enough to make this journey. This three to four day, 80 mile journey with his parents to Jerusalem. And I think the point is really simple that Luke is trying to make. That Jesus' parents are devout Jews. Mary and Joseph were raising Jesus in the moral and in the ritual life of Judaism. They caravan to Jerusalem with this large group of family, extended family, and friends from their town. After the seven-day celebration, family and friends are headed back for home. His parents simply thought Jesus is hanging out with his friends, or maybe extended family in the larger caravan. They don't think too much about it. At some point, probably because he missed a meal, this is where my mind goes, God, teenage boy, they don't miss many meals. Maybe he skips a meal and Mary and Joseph realize Jesus is not in the caravan with the others. They have to turn around and go back to Jerusalem to try to find him. Losing a child, if you, this has ever happened to you, has anyone ever lost a kid? Honestly, yeah, one. Only one person's been admitted. Right? I'm going I'm to share a story too. Um, losing a child has got to be the worst feeling in the Jesus is alone, if you really think about this, is alone and unsupervised at age 12 in this, in, he's from a small town, he's in the big city, this potentially dangerous city filled with crazy, strange people, Roman soldiers, unfamiliar territory. I remember one time when you guys were three, you probably, maybe you won't remember this, maybe you will, we went to the mall, I took them out by myself, right? which was like a risk. <laughs> um, we had this rule with twins. You guys remember this? They used to grab onto the back of my shirts. Why I don't tuck my shirts in, right? Because I was so used to this. They would grab onto the back of my shirts, and we would just cruise around and do whatever it was we needed to do. And that was the rule, just like hang on to the back of the shirt, right? And so we're cruising around this huge department store, the kind of those seemingly endless number of circular clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And hundreds and hundreds of people milling around them in search of the perfect sale item. They're supposed to be hanging on the back of my shirt, and when I looked, they were gone. Like, my heart sank. I couldn't breathe. I was in a panic. I stood there at first, unable to move. I started scanning around, looking, not trying to draw too much attention to myself. I'm looking around. I don't see him. I'm looking, starting to look for some suspicious people who might have taken my kids when I didn't see it. I started to call out their names not too loudly at first, nothing. 
I start to walk around the store, now moving a little bit more quickly, scanning, calling out their names, now a little bit louder, still nothing. I'm trying not to draw too much attention to myself, because like I said about Mary and Joseph, I don't want to lose my dad at your status either. <laughs> and then the things that go through my mind, right? I picture the mall announcer, you know, the guy that comes on once in a while and says the kids are lost and they found them. <laughs> I can hear the mall announcer in the back of my head for all of Thousand Oaks to hear, saying, hey, Jean, shopper and delinquent dad. <laughs> we have your three-year-old daughters at the security kiosk, and oh, by the way, we also have your wife on the line. <laughs> and she sounds really angry. She says that you will never leave the house alone with your children. <laughs> that, that is, these are the things that are going through my mind. I'm like, this, this is, I'm, I'm toast. I was just about to the point of like this all-out panic attack ready to start just screaming out their names to find them, and they just popped right out of one of those circular close racks, laughing, smiling, and having the time of their life. My brain said, you should be really angry. Maybe even denying that Mrs. Fields cookie that I promised you, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, but my heart won the day. All I could think about was hugging them and just being overflowed with just joy, right? Because what had been lost, was found. After three, just think about this, three days, not three minutes, mine was maybe a minute or two, and I felt like that. Three days, Jesus is gone. This frenzied search for their lost son, and they find Jesus in the temple, sitting with teachers, listening and learning and asking questions. These wise rabbis, the best and the brightest of Jesus' day, these well-respected teachers were amazed at this 12-year-old boy's questions and understanding of the scriptures. Mary and Joseph, too, were astonished by the whole situation. It makes me think about who are the important teachers when we were that age. Do we have any? Does somebody come to mind? Actually, a few people come to my mind. A couple really good Sunday school teachers I had um, back in this era come to my mind. But Jesus is sitting at their feet learning uh, and not just learning that his understanding of the scriptures these were astonishing the best and brightest rabbis of his time at age 12. Like I've read this, this is a really familiar story to me, I've read this many, many times. When I came at it this time, I actually asked a different set of questions than normal. I don't have answers for all of them, but I think they're fair questions. Were Mary and Joseph bad parents? Has anyone ever asked that question? Like, seriously, if we lost our kids for three days, what would people be saying about us? Think about that. You know, like, did Jesus disobey? Why were they looking for Jesus in all the wrong places? Like, these are questions that are just normal questions. Like, you know, you're thinking about where do you search for a 12-year-old boy? The toy stores, the go-kart tracks the ice cream shops, the batting cages, whatever. They go to all the, what, wherever they're looking, they're going to all the wrong places. Why didn't they know where Jesus would have gone? I want, I'd love to know the answer to that question. Jesus assumes that they should have known. Why didn't they know? Why didn't they know where their son must have been in his father's house about his father's business? Like These questions to me then led to some more serious ones. What I really wanted to know when I looked at this text was, had the mysterious birth story, the one that we just looked at this week, the birth story of stars and angels and shepherds 
has this story already faded? Twelve years have gone by since this miraculous, mysterious, amazing, and unique birth. And the question that I wanted to know is, like, have things become so normal, 12 years of raising their son, that they just don't remember the uniqueness of the birth story? Like, when I reflected on those early years of fatherhood, I don't remember as much as I wish I did. I don't know if other people with kids feel that way. I wish I remembered more. And it made me wonder, did, have they just lost something of that amazing night? And when, how does that come, is that going to come back? I think we see it come back a little bit at the end of the story. And here's what I think we learned, that like, Jesus wasn't the rebellious teenager, you know? He's not out ditching his parents to, to party or to do whatever teenagers do. He's hanging out in the temple the place of the very center of Jewish life. He's learning from Israel's finest rabbis. And it's like, I can't say for certain. This is just me. But maybe the answer to my tough questions are that Mary and Joseph, has sim- they failed to simply see what most of us with children have at one point failed to see ourselves. Their baby, Jesus, is growing up. It could be that simple. Baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, is almost a man. He's 12 years old. At 13, he'll be a man. And this is a hard lesson for every parent. Their baby is growing up right in front of their eyes. And Mary and Joseph, they're panicked in this frenzied search for Jesus. Jesus is anything but panicked. He's calm. He's comfortable. He's at peace. He's right where he felt he belonged, right where he was most at home. And that's why I love Mary's line. She says, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. That's great. Like, was she really that calm? Like, did Luke just not want to record what she really said? I would have lost my mind. Calm would have been the last thing I would have been. And the point is maybe that Mary is learning, like every parent has to learn, that she needed to let go of her baby and entrust him over to God. That's a lesson. Jesus' response is unbelievable. Why are you searching for him? It's like, can I hear you? Ooh. At this point, you just want to give him a piece of your mind, right? Why were we seeing Jesus just assumes that his parents should have known exactly where he was. In his father's house, in the temple, in the place where God was thought to dwell. Jesus, like, this is, this is such a strange story. It's so normal, and yet it's so mysterious. He's asserting his independence, like every teenager has done. Which one of us did not do that? I did plenty of it. He's doing what all teenagers do. But there's something kind of refreshing and normal about this story, and yet there's also something different. What he's doing is certainly not the norm. That's what I think makes this story so uh, interesting. It's like up to this point, we think about Jesus' identity. It's been given to us every single time in the gospel so far. It's been given through other people. The angel, Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, the shepherd, Simeon, Anna, all talk about Previous to this story in Luke's gospel, they all share with us who this Jesus that was born is. This is the first time in the gospel record Jesus speaks for himself. 
And in his words, we learn a couple really important things. Really simple stuff, too, which is cool. Jesus is saying there's a special, unique relationship that Jesus has with God. Jesus refers to God as his Father. There's this sense of family, of intimacy that Jesus has with his Heavenly Father. And it makes me think this is what he desperately wants his parents to understand. And as we get into the gospel further, we're going to see that this is what Jesus desperately wants his disciples to understand too. And how many times do they not understand the simple thing that he's trying to teach them? And this is what he wants us to understand. That Jesus has this unique and special relationship with his Father in heaven. Mary, at least she pauses long enough to contemplate Jesus' identity and mission. She recognizes that something special is going on. It says that she treasured this moment in her heart for the rest of her life. This is where I wonder if we get to a little bit of recovery. Maybe at this point she's been through this, she's had this conversation with him, she's found him, and maybe she's recovered a little bit of that lost wonder, mystery, and beauty. Maybe she remembers back on the uniqueness of the birth and looks at this situation and says, there's still, there's something special going on here. There's something different about this kid. And second, Jesus knew that he needed to be about his father's business. He's in his father's house. He's asking questions. He's learning. He's growing in wisdom and faith. Others were beginning to recognize that there's something special about him. At age 12, he knows that he needed to be about the work of his heavenly father. Age 12. Think about that. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. He knows what he's going to be doing. One of my first jobs was working at Jack Shoes, which opened up right behind us here, closed a year or two ago, a couple years ago. Uh, my dad was in the shoe business for a long, long time. He was an expert in shoes, a great salesman. And so, because I'm my father's son, I knew shoes pretty well too. And so I got an interview and they hired me. I did my training, and I got to participate in the building of this store when it first opened up. Built all the shelving in the back, helping to organize thousands of pairs of shoes, which I absolutely love doing. And then the <laughs> store opened, right? And I had to come out from the back room, and I had to sell shoes. I learned really quickly two things. I love shoes. I still do, right? They're like my favorite. The only thing I actually care about, I think, in like a wardrobe for me is my shoes. Um, I really like them. Um, but I, you know what else I learned? I despise selling <laughs> Absolutely hate it. I credit this job with helping me eliminate about 90% of the jobs in the world. <laughs> I loved working in the back organizing stuff. I took pride in it. But I didn't enjoy sales. I could tell some stories. I don't have time in the sermon. I would love to. Someday maybe I'll work one in um, about the people that would like asked to try on, like, 20 pairs of shoes, <laughs> I feel like, and then they just, you know, rudely walk out, because whatever, it's a, I can, I can do this all day, and, and feet stink, too, just so you know, you gotta throw that in there, too, but I, this is what I learned, I knew that for sure, I would not be inheriting my father's business, I knew right away. Jesus in the temple discovers that he's very much at home. He has the opposite experience of me. He realizes he's very much at home about being about his father's business. God's business would become 
Jesus' business, God's mission to, and we start thinking about this in big, holistic terms, God's mission to rescue, to save, to redeem the world, this would become Jesus' mission. And so then you look at the scripture, you take it as a whole, and you say, wow, the prophets, they all pointed to this. The birth narratives that we read, the Christmas story, that's what this announced. And now Jesus himself claims it publicly, right in the very heart and the very center of the religious, like the religious center of the universe, the Jerusalem temple. A few thoughts to kind of wrap it up. Personally, what I think Luke wants is I think Luke really wants us just to pause for a moment and to contemplate Jesus' identity and his mission. Mary and Joseph must have done this. I'll bet there were some rabbis in the temple that day who also must have been doing this. Who is this kid? Who is this kid? He's not like anything else we've ever seen. This is what these rabbis, they had to be saying that. Luke wants us to pause and do the same thing. Who is this Jesus that's so special, so unique? And then if you've lost Jesus, this is the one that kind of interests me. If you've lost Jesus, Mary and Joseph lost him, they turn around and they go find him. It's like, as I was reflecting on the kind of, is there a, does anyone experience a letdown after the Christmas season? Uh, it's like some of the expectations of the season haven't been met necessarily. Sometimes we're still left wanting. And when I kind of reflect on especially this Christmas, which is a little bit unique for me anyway, and maybe it was for others, is it possible that during the craziness of this season that we've lost? Like Jesus was there, and all of a sudden we look around and we wonder, where did he go? Yeah? Like, when we last looked... Jesus was there, but maybe Jesus seems distant or far away. And what I like about this is this, we're encouraged to keep looking until we find him. It takes three minutes, whether it takes three days or three years. But the interesting thing, as I kind of thought about this, we're encouraged to keep looking for him, all the while contemplating one of the great mysteries of the Incarnation, that while we are searching for him, one of the great mysteries of the Incarnation is that God Jesus has already come. We say Jesus has been born, is being born, and is actively seeking and searching for us. Finally, Jesus says that he was about the work of his Father, and I think what Luke is trying to do is encourage us to be about the same work too. And so as we're sent back out into the world from this Worship gatherings sent back out into a brand new year with new challenges, with new opportunities. May we too be committed uh, to God's work and God's business in 2019. Jesus obediently returns to his hometown, it says, with his parents. And what he did is he just he re-entered the normal fabric of society. But things have changed. Things are different. The scripture says he was growing up. That he was growing in divine and human favor, growing in wisdom, growing in the things that he would need to accomplish God's work of salvation in the world. And so we praise God for many, many things, but maybe more than anything, we praise God for the salvation that Jesus brings. That in Jesus, the brokenness of creation is being healed, will ultimately someday be healed. Today, Jesus is repairing broken things because he's about God's business. 
we're going to walk out those doors in a few moments as well to re-enter the normal, everyday fabric of our hometown. May we, too, have grown in wisdom because we've gathered here today with each other around God's Word. And may we better be about God's business in the world because we gather together. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are always searching for us. You're always surprising us by doing the unexpected. God, we pray for all of those who are searching for you. As they search for you, may you reveal yourself more fully. God, grow each of us in your wisdom. Give us all the things that we need to be more effective in the work that you call us to. God, we offer ourselves and all of our gifts to you and for your service and your mission in the world.